The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and KUCI.org streaming on the web. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and Mari's your host. You can learn more about our guests and other shows at KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Mari, what kind of show we got tonight? We got a very interesting show right from the Midwest. As some of you may know and hear sometimes my Chicago accent, we are doing a show, a field show, right from Chicago. And we have a bunch of people that are friends and family that are talking to us about what it's like to um, worry about or be concerned about privacy in the Midwest. You know, we have different cultural mores in the West Coast, in the Midwest, and in the East Coast. So tonight we're going to be speaking with people about their concerns about privacy in the Midwest. And we're going to start out with Erwin, and Erwin's going to talk to us about his feelings. And he's a senior citizen living in the uh, Chicago area. All right, let's listen to Erwin then. How do you feel about what do you, what does privacy mean to you, Erwin? Well, privacy means to me I'm just an average citizen. Right. And uh, I have a, a moderate income, so I have to be uh, careful that I'm not taken uh, by somebody that's going to f- swindle at me. or Right, or steal your identity. Or steal my identity. That's the right word. Thank you very much. Well, Erwin, let me ask you another question before you. I know you're probably dying to get out of here, but let me ask you another one. What, what, do, you, what do you think about when you go to the market, I think, is it Dominic's that, that you give your fingerprint, or does they, well, Jewel takes J- your Jewel fingerprint? How do you doing, feel about giving your fingerprint? Well, they only, and Jewel only does it for debit credit. I see. They don't do it for uh, credit, you know, just for debit. Yeah. How would you feel about shopping, instead of with a credit card, shopping with your fingerprint? I, I, I myself personally don't care for that kind of uh, fingerprinting. I, it's bad enough you have to be finger, fingerprinted for something else. <laughs> in government, you sometimes have to be fingerprinted before they hire you. Right, right, and, governmental uh, things, right? A, right, which is a necessity. <laughs> but to do it for uh, buying a, a loaf of bread or a quart of milk, I, I don't go for that. Okay, so why? What, what does that make you feel funny about? What, what do you think that means to you? Why does it feel uncomfortable? I hate to have my fingerprint going around to one store to another, and uh, who knows who will get, get that fingerprint, and I can use it for some other secondary deceivo, purpose, uh, deceivo yeah. act or something. Yeah. You never know. You know, it's a small world. Right. And, <laughs> and, you know, you're, and I won't ask you how old you are, but you're a senior citizen. And, yes, I am. And you've been through a lot in, in your lifetime, just as I have. I'm a little bit behind you. But, you know, do you see a change in privacy and, and with what's going on in our society? Do you see a big change? And how do you feel about it? Well, electronically, it's a very big change. Uh, today, you can go into a grocery store and they add up without you knowing what they're adding. Exactly. They just scan everything in. Scan, right. You don't know if you're getting ripped off or not, right? That's true. I had a situation uh, a week ago uh, here in, in the Chicago area. We had a, 
storm or tornado actually hit in, in the northern western suburbs, and I happened to be at Jewel, and I was surprised to see, I was at the checkout counter, and I was surprised to see that they still could check you out, even though they closed all the lights. and uh, oh, no, electric, light, and, and yeah. no electric. They had no electric, and the, the way I understand, they could do this for two hours in the right, dark. And a generator almost. or something? Gen- yeah, right. Backup, yeah. yeah. So even that is a little scary when you're at the register, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. You don't know what they're going to do. Right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your joining us today. Thank you for having me. Okay. We are sitting here with Nissen, and Nissen is, is a wonderful young man here, and he was originally born in Cuba. You know, Cuba has a different kind of liberty than we have here in our country. Nissen, what it... How did your fa- parents feel about coming to this country? What you know, having new liberty and new privacy. What, what do you, what do you feel about what they thought when they got to come to this country from Cuba? Well, I know they had been trying to get out for quite some time, and I think that their intention was that myself or my brother were not going to be born there, but because of restrictions with travel and stuff, they weren't able to get here until after a few years after they had requested to leave. Um, and I know that in terms of uh, privacy and stuff there too. There really was no such thing as privacy in Cuba, and um, the government is on top of everybody else and people that had owned property that was confiscated from them. Um, Did your the, parents lose property there? Uh, I think my grandparents had lost a lot of the stuff that they had worked towards. And even when we left Cuba, too, they couldn't, any m- money they had in the bank had to stay. They could not take anything with them. All they, they took you, is the clothes and their the babies, bag, huh? Right, right, and the kids, and I think the kids could only take, like, one toy with oh. them uh, so. Yeah, so you didn't have much liberty or privacy there. So yeah. you were, how old were you when you came out? I over? was probably like uh, 15 months. So you were just um, a little guy like your little guy. Right. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So now that you're you're living in this country, and, and I know you're a businessman, okay. you know, and you're a lot younger than me. So, you know, each generation has a different kind of feeling about privacy. What does privacy mean to you? Um, privacy means to me, I guess, respecting what you have and um, just choosing to share what, what you feel is private with the people that you want to share it with and, you know, not having to disclose what you don't want to disclose to the whole world. Exactly. Uh-huh. Having something that is confidential for you, like your confidential finances or things about your family that you don't think the whole world should right. know. Yeah. Right. So as we are more in a surveillance society, you know, we're looking about, you know, we're hearing about terrorism since 2001 and security. Do you see even in, 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 our, in the last few years a change in the way that information is collected about you versus maybe before 9-11? Does it feel like that? Right, yeah. Like every time you go into a doctor's office for an appointment, you have to read a bunch of paperwork and they make you sign it even before you even get to go and see the doctor. It's letting you know that your health records could be shared with anybody, that I guess they'll do what they can to keep it private, but... But you have no, no idea. idea what happens <laughs> no after that. What, yeah. And what do you think about the government, like uh, having all, like you had a tornado here recently. What if there was, God forbid, a tornado, kind of like to the, to the point of like Katrina and everything was on? How do you feel about the government collecting, for example, all of your medical information and storing it and, and sharing it when they need to share it? How does that feel to you? Well, 
if it's for a good cause, I can understand certain points for sharing that medical information, but without even knowing what that's being used for, then I do have reservations right. about that. It's a bit scary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have a, a gorgeous young son, and he's going to mm -hmm. be growing up in a, in a totally different world than ours, in a totally electronic world. And what is that thing, you know, when you when you just have children, you start worrying about their future. What do you think the future is going to be? What's it going to be like in terms of electronics and privacy when I, he gets to be, for example, your age? I think we're moving to, to so much paperless mm -hmm. stuff and everything, even like going to a doctor, how they used to write you a prescription and right. you'd have to take a a piece of paper to a pharmacy and now right. they do it all online they put it on a computer at the doctor's office and by the time you go to the pharmacy it's been dispensed and it's right. it's there so so it's got convenience it's got convenience but, but what, then again what happens who in, might have access right, to that it could be anybody can get any employee you know on an, on an as needed basis anybody can go in there and look and see what you know diseases you have right. um, anything so how might that affect us in our jobs and in our lifetime if somebody can find out what yeah. you know what kind of drugs you're getting right even discrimination if you're applying for a new job or something you're trying a new insurance policy where if somebody sees you know you have already got a condition and they don't want to cover you right or life insurance you, you must be thinking about life insurance <laughs> with a baby right and and mm -hmm. having something if something were to happen to you or your wife so that the mm -hmm. baby would be taken care of what if you were denied because somebody saw some prescription and read it wrong or right. it was you know entered incorrectly right so that's yeah, pretty so scary yeah. stuff yeah. I have another question you're a businessman and I won't ask you where you work because yeah. I want to yeah. you know protect your privacy but how do you see business using electronics and sharing of information how do you see that in your business well, I see how it used to be where people would be sending emails all the time and there could be any information on there, somebody's social security number or what have you, and now there's more secure sites out there. So if you are talking about somebody's private health information, it's being transmitted through some type of secure website. So you know when you get an email and it's saying you need to log into such and such a site yeah. to get in and you know what to expect that it is somebody's private health information instead of a bunch of social security numbers floating around right. email. Right. And at work, how, how safe do you feel about, I mean, in, in your particular, and I won't ask you where you work, but people use email all the time. I mean, it's mm -hmm. a part of life. Do you, how do you feel about your employer looking at your email? What do you do about that? The fact that the computer belongs to the company, the telephones belong to the company, so they really own that information. How do people feel at work, for example, at your work, about putting sensitive information into an email or on, you know, yeah. voicemail or something? What, what I think where before I would give out like my work email address for like just personal stuff yes. too. I've learned and I have my own, you know, account set up somewhere. So usually when I want somebody to send me something, I use it like at my own personal account instead of using like a work right so you email. don't use right. your work email for private information right. now do you download your personal email at work uh, and at times too I've downloaded pictures or yeah, yeah. And how do you mm -hmm. feel about that now, recognizing how to, what are there rules and regs that they, your corporation? Right, right. They pass around the documentation of, like, the do's and don'ts yeah. with the email. I don't know how many employees actually follow that, and I'm sure uh, there's a lot of people out yeah. there that. And that could be grounds for, for termination, yeah. too, especially yeah. if people are finding out things. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Uh, you were terrific, you. and we thank really you. appreciate you joining us. And this is Nissen. Okay, now we are speaking with Carla, and Carla is someone I've known since I was 
a baby, baby, baby. Can I say that she's my, my first cousin and very special to me? And we are sitting here in Chicago and we're at Russell's. And Carla, I know Carla has always been very articulate and brilliant and very opinionated. So, Carla, you and I were talking before we turned on the recorder about how the fact that, you know, there's a lot of privacy that has been taken away from us because of 9 11. But how did you feel about that? Like, for example, the surveillance of our, of the National uh, Security Administration surveillance of our phone records, for example. What, is, what does that mean to you, and, and does it worry you? or what do It you doesn't feel? worry me because I don't have anything to worry about. I don't ha- I'm not breaching any security problems, so it doesn't bother me. I, a lot of people complain about the security at the airports. I think it's wonderful. I'm glad they're doing it. I wish they were stricter. Okay, so, so you're concerned about the terrorism, rightly yes, so. Yes, Ever yes. since 2-9-11, it makes a lot of sense right. that you're worried about that. So um, as, as, you know, we were speaking with Erwin and, and Nissen, and, and they were talking about how a lot has changed in, in years, that a lot of information is being collected about us for our health, right? And, and how do you feel about the government collecting a lot of health information about us and putting it in big data banks and sharing it and storing it, for example, in the name of protecting us from a disaster like Katrina so that people can get health care? Okay? How do you feel about, for example, your health information with the government having access to that? Um, as long as they don't use it against me. Okay, me so me having that arthritis, does that mean I'm something of a lesser person? I don't think they're going to use it that way. But I really don't see any sense in collecting health information. Right. Okay, so let's say they told you that if there was a very bad tornado and things were ruined, um, that they want to have it so that if you needed that health care and, and there was a tornado that destroyed your house and you didn't have your health records or your your doctor's office, that they would have this for you so that you could just go to this one central place and they, they could treat you. Well, we were in a tornado last week. Or yeah, the, right. yeah, last yeah, week. Yeah. Um, I don't really... I'd have to think about that. That's a new one to think about. Right. And, and those are some of the issues that are so important because when we talk about our sensitive information, there are real advantages on one hand to get the benefits of having something easy access to help us, but then there's this other side that a lot of the times we don't know about it, the insidious dark side of what if somebody has access to it and says, okay, you know, Mari's got arthritis, so maybe she shouldn't have this radio show, or maybe she shouldn't be able to work for us, or maybe she shouldn't be able to get health insurance or life insurance You're or right. disability right. insurance. Right. Right. So, you know, like, the, you know, both of us are, are, you know, AARP members, or at least at that age, and, you know, our Social Security number was originally just for, for benefits, Right. And now, as you know, it's used for every kind of identifier. So the scary part is when they collect something for one reason, if there's no boundaries or safeguards to use it for another reason, that's the scary part of it. Yes, but what what is your opinion on that? Well, I think everybody knows my opinion is that everything has to be balanced. In other words, 
We need to have, in my view, legislation that protects so there can't be secondary use. So if they're collecting all your health information, that there be very strict laws that can only be used for what they collected it from that they got your permission to use it for. Yeah, but so, look what happened with the Veterans Administration. And that's supposed to be protected. Exactly. And you get one person. Now all it takes is one person, one slip, and then it's gone. So exactly. That's, that's the thing that's so disconcerting is that how do we really protect? And, and I want to go back to what you said before when you said, I have nothing to hide with my phone records, okay? Well, I don't think you're having an affair on your husband, so that could be a little problem if they collected mm -hmm. your phone records. <laughs> and I see him over there worrying when I said that. <laughs> so I, I think you're pretty good about that. Um, but what if, for example, you were calling some organization that you were trying to find out about, okay, and they collected that information, and that information went into a data bank, and maybe it was politically incorrect, and they started an FBI uh, database on you because of certain calls that you made, or someone maybe in your house who made those calls who maybe was cleaning your home, and it had nothing to do with you. That That's the concern that I have, is that we need to have transparency. We know what the information is collected for, we know how it's going to be used, and we can limit how it's used. Yeah, but you, they really can't, and I don't care how much legislation or limits you put on it, it just takes one little switch or one person to do like the, the Veterans Administration. So the, even those kind of things I don't think will work. I know, and this, this is the part that's a little bit um, I think frightening in our day and age because we are living in the information age now. Here big we are. Big Brother is watching you. Big, yeah. Well, yeah. And and it's not just Big Brother. It's all these companies that are watching us. You know, um, the fact that my husband got a, a letter from Chase and and all that information in his financial information was lost. That's that's the finances, and they have everything on him, and they share it with other companies, and they don't have to um, even get our permission to share. So so that's worrisome as well. Now, here we are, you know, we've been around, and you and I have seen a lot in our generation, and you and I email each other all the time, so you're pretty electronically savvy, and you used to work in a courthouse. They used the computers. What have you seen in your lifetime that has been um, exciting and, and also uh, almost overwhelming in terms of electronics and, and computers? Well, I started working the courthouse, and when the fax machines came out, we used to have to wait from a police department for the mail to deliver us records, and then it was a matter of seconds we had the records, and that was the biggest, the fax machine was my biggest thing. Computers were there all the time, but the fax machine. Well, now um, there's, when you were still working at the courthouse, were they electronically filing as well? Were people starting to use, um, not quite then, no, but people were using computers and they could maybe even write the judge and say, I need a continuance? No, or I, they, I don't think in, 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 those years. in Cook County where I worked that they could email a judge. Oh, there, there was no interaction with the public and the judges. Right, That's right. That's sort of against the law. No, I didn't mean that. I meant to the clerks to maybe um, ask for a continuance. No, no, no they couldn't no, do that. No, you could yeah. not. Yeah. The, the, uh, the clerk's office was not that 
technological. Yeah. It was inter-office right. mostly. And now, if you can imagine, they're doing electronic filing like all over the country, especially California. You can file lawsuits electronically, if you can imagine. Knowing the business and the court system as you do, what do you think about that, that you could file electronically? I, I always, well, I would like to see it done in person. Right. But what, what kinds of concerns does that bring up for you? That who is sending it. Oh, right. Authentication of the mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Are they really sending it the real person? That's a very good point. Yeah. So, Carla, what, what does privacy mean to you, you know, now as opposed to when you were, let's say, a little girl? How, do, how has your um, definition of privacy changed, or is it the same? Um. I think it's about the same. I really have no opinion on it. So what is privacy? What If you had to define privacy, let's say, for your grandchildren and say, what is privacy, Grandma? What would you say privacy means? That my business and my personal things are not public. Okay. And, and um, how, how about in your house? Do you feel that you should have privacy in your house? What do you mean by privacy? I mean, should you be able to be in your house without somebody collecting things from your home without your permission? You know, like, for example. Oh, yes. Okay. And how about your emails? And how about your um, anything? You you write emails to me. We write back and forth. How would you feel about someone knowing that, for example, the government can look at all the emails that we send back and forth? But I go back to the fact that I'm not doing anything I shouldn't be doing. And in in terms of criminal, right? Right. Yeah. Right. But Nothing what if what if you were writing about something politically that you felt strong about? Okay. Whether it's about uh, you know Israel and the Palestinians, or about the president and other candidates running. What if you wrote something political? Which in your lifetime you've been very political, and you've been very active in a lot of charities. What if you wrote about something that maybe the government was not very positive about and the FBI started to keep a file on you? That wouldn't be criminal, would it? No, it wouldn't be criminal. But, um, I don't know, you're giving me things to think about. And I think that's the important thing because th- what I've seen in the media, for example, and the way our government has been talking is, you know, in the name of terror, we must do this. The question gets back to what else can they do with that information? If they're only using it for terrorism, obviously I'm on your, on your team, you know? But as you said, it could take one person or one crazy person. Or, I mean, we've seen through the years about, you know, Hoover and, and you know, FBI and CIA and... You know, but we've hear- always been around. I think that politically they're getting a little paranoid, the government, and they're grasping at straws, trying to, oh, we got to do this, we got to cover our backs, we got to do this. But it's 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 sad to see a government do this. Yes, I think they're a little paranoid and they're overdoing it. Right, and I think what what you first said when you sat down was i have nothing to hide and i think that's what most people say and when you you know off the top of your head is hey i'm an honest person i'm a good person what have i got to hide but 
If indeed you have strong opinions, which you do, and which I do, if someone doesn't like my opinions and they have some power and they collect that information, how might they use it? We think of the McCarthy era. We grew up in, when we were young, the well, McCarthy era, remember? The people in power, and I have seen it, I've been a witness, where they use their office and their power to destroy somebody. And I've seen it done. Because you know politics, right? I mean, you, this is, this is, I've seen somebody destroyed by somebody because they didn't like that person right and they used their power of their office to destroy somebody and just think how easy it is now to for example write an email and pretend to be that email make up an email address at hotmail and say i'm not going to say your last name but say i'm carla and write something that could be damaging to you mm -hmm. and then that goes into a file and you said Wait a minute, you have a database on me. That isn't even me. I never even said that. Or worse yet, you say, yes, I do say these things. And then they say, okay, well, you're going to be blackballed because of this. Or you can't get this job. Or some other benefit that you well, would want to get. That, would, that goes on without uh, surveillance. That True. Goes on, that goes on. It's been going on but for years. But it makes years. it easier. Yeah, sure, it makes it easier. It makes it a lot easier, yeah. So how do you see privacy in the future for your grandbaby, for example? Big Brother is watching you. That's how you feel. Thank you, Carla, for sharing with us. Hi. Hi, now we're sitting here with Cindy, and Cindy has been a teacher, and she is now a career advisor. And there is a lot of privacy issues regarding your education, right? Because when yes. you have educational records, it has your grades, it has maybe your psychological stuff, emotional stuff, lots of stuff. What, it, what does privacy mean to you with regard to educational records? Well, it's very important for students, you know, when there are different issues and things happening with students, it's so important for them to be confidential. And I work a lot with the counseling department, and that's, the one, you know, the one thing that they make sure that, you know, that kind of information doesn't get out. We do have a computer system that has that information in there, and only certain people can get in that with certain codes um, in order to access the information of the student's parent information. It could be the home phone numbers or the addresses. Social um, security numbers. Social security numbers, absolutely. And also, now the system that they have this year actually has a picture of the student in there so that oh. when we know, when a student comes to see us, that they're actually that person. Right. Now, are these files, um, are they kept in encrypted files so that, that, you know, they're kind of scrambled? Or can you, if somebody has an access code and a password, they can get into it and, and it doesn't have to unencrypt it? Yeah, that's true. They probably could get into those files as well um, if they have that particular code to get into that. Um, yeah. I know at the district office that is set up by the district office, so there's probably some security there. But I don't know what else, yeah. you know, further that they would have. And, you know, there have been, I don't know if you know this, but in the last year, most of the big security breaches of the 90 million people, did you know, like about half of them were universities? Wow. And getting uh, social security numbers and um, the law, at least in California, that does affect the rest of the country says that if you have electronic information and it is acquired by a third person who's unauthorized, that you absolutely have a duty to disclose to all those people. That's why we've heard about these security breaches. But if it's in an encrypted file, meaning scrambled, you don't have any duty to disclose. 
because it's too hard to bring it up and, and you know, kind of make it back into regular print. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you know, food for thought. We, You know, so the educational system, if you think about it, I mean, I think back my Social Security number went with me from, you know, all the way through law school, master's degree, and everything. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of scary, especially if somebody, you know, had things in there. Maybe they were troublemakers when they were in second grade, and then, you know, they're not a troublemaker now. What do you think about um, what's going to happen with educational records as we go forward in the, since you do career counseling? Um, I'm not sure exactly how they will do it, but I know that the school I do work at is tech, technology savvy, so hopefully that those kinds of things that they would do that. Um, I know that they've made it a lot easier for parents to access um, the website so that they can get into homework and things like that. They have actually my grade book system. Yeah. So that is an excellent thing. Um, but as far as other information of the future for that, I'm not quite sure. But as your, you know, your response of, you know, having the information scrambled is probably a really good idea. But I guess it would have to be, you know, the computer people would have to know that. Right. So you're, you're young and you're a young mom. And mm-hmm. how do you feel about, um, well, what does privacy mean to you? Let's say it that way, personally, not just, you know, in terms of school records, but what does privacy mean to you? You're a very educated, very articulate woman. How does it feel? <laughs> well, in terms of privacy, in terms of, you know, having all my personal accounts and so forth, that, that is important to keep safe and know which direction to go. Um, to make sure that, you know, somebody is not getting into our files, into our, my computer at home, or whether it's my bank account, whether it's my credit card. I mean, I'm always worrying about that, my health records, my Social Security number. I mean, I'm always worrying about that. So far, I haven't heard anything that my information has got, except our accountant one time had told us that the computer system got hacked into. and so At the, his work, you mean? At, your at his work, office? yes. His computer got hacked into, oh, and dear. so and he took your tax return. Right, it has all that information, and so we actually, and maybe you could guide us more of what we should even do about that. Um, I mean, this did happen a little while ago, maybe a year or two ago, but um, we haven't heard anything else in terms of that. But we did follow up, and I think it was early on before they knew, you know, they could really get to it and do something with right, it. Right. Um, but that did. But happen it was to not us. an encrypted file, and that's why they had to disclose that to you. If it was encrypted, they wouldn't have had it. So obviously, they have your tax return, which has mm-hmm. your social security number and yes. your husband's social security Correct. number. And of course, when your baby's born, then you put that also in so you can get the tax deduction. Right. So that is a problem. And that gets back to putting a fraud alert on your credit reports immediately and keeping it on there for as long as possible so that at least before someone issues credit in your name and social security number to a third party, to a fraudster, you have put up some barriers to help you do that. Mm-hmm. So, And now we are sitting here with Kirk. Kirk, how old are you? Eight. Terrific. Now, Kirk, you are in the next really important generation. So what does privacy mean to you? That I wouldn't tell anybody yet. Oh, okay. It means something that you wouldn't tell anybody and maybe somebody wouldn't tell anything about you? What about, do you have things that you like to keep private? Not really. No? How about, um, do you have things that, that, would you like it if somebody just came into your room and started looking through your drawers? No. No? Okay. That would be kind of like invading your privacy, right? Because maybe you had certain toys or certain things in there that you wouldn't want anybody to take or touch. That's right. Hold the microphone in front of you. Okay. So tell me something. 
do you how do you um do you use a computer at school? Yeah. What do you use it for? Like to study things usually. Okay. Do you ever put like stories on there at at school? Yeah, I, yeah, sometimes I do. And and do you do you um do math on there too? What else, what else do you do on the computer? Well, like do you use it on all your classes or or um, yeah, like all my, all the classes, but like just sometimes if they get a certain time, like it's not like a day of the week, but it's like Oh, just certain times during yeah. the day? Uh-huh. Right. Okay. And how how do you feel about like for example, if you took a test and somebody looked over your shoulder to what you're writing? How would you feel if, about that? Um not so much. Like I wouldn't feel really would you feel like they're bothering you and yeah. and you feel like that maybe they're taking something that they shouldn't take from you, right? What about if you had something in your backpack, a special note maybe that you were writing to a friend and it was kind of private information? How would you feel about if the teacher got that note? Well, then it might get a little wild. A little say. wild? <laughs> How would you feel about that? Would you be upset? A little bit. Yeah. Much. Would you be more upset if a kid took it? Let's say you had a little girl that you liked in the class, and you wrote her a note or you wrote a little poem. Do, do you like girls yet? Mm, not too much. No, not too much? Okay. But what if you had a good friend and you wrote a very um, private note to that friend and another kid took that note from your backpack? I would, like, tell a teacher and, like, the principal and things, but um, I would not like it at all. No. Why wouldn't you like that? Would you feel like it's kind of like taking away something special of yours? Yeah, like something really special because, like, it could be, like, something that you might get really in trouble with. Right, right. And you didn't mean for someone else to see it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think about going to happen? Like you're, you're a little kid, right? And you're seeing more and more computers. What do you think the world is going to be like in terms of, of elect, you know, electronic stuff? You know, like, you know, we have cell phones, we have digital cameras, all the stuff that we use and the electronic games that you can play. What do you think the world's going to be like when you get to be like 20 years old? What do you think? Just guess. I think it'll be a better place, I'm guessing. But and it'll be better? And yeah. what does that mean, it'll be better? How will it be better? Like, everything that that used to be here would be, like, alone gone, but still there, but, like, not as much. Okay, so, like, let's I say, so you know, now you have a car that you yeah. can watch digital movies in your car, right? And you remember when you couldn't do that before. So what do you think cars will be like in the future? I think they might add, like, like maybe another wheel, maybe. Do you think they'll be able to fly? Cars will be able to fly? I don't know, but maybe. How about can they go on water? Do you think that the car can go on the water and turn into a boat? I think, like, it would have, like, a certain thing that you could, like, do something that, like, that we didn't have. Right. That thing would be, like, a TV, like, like a, instead of, like... Like a, like a, like a thing you could watch computers on in in the car maybe. Okay. Maybe that. But. Yeah. And do you think, 
that they're going to have something like when you get in the car, mommy doesn't even have to drive. She just pushes a button and says, take me to my grandpa's house or take me to California and see Mari. You think that you could do that? That she won't even have to drive. Just push a button and says, "Okay, punch in. Go to not just to tell you how to get there, but actually push the button and it takes you there." I think maybe, but it depends. Like, sounds a little far fetched. Okay, so if you had to um, tell me what you think is going to be the most important thing to keep private. When you're big, you know, when you're a big kid. Put this in front of you. <laughs> what do you think is going to be the most important thing to keep private? Your bank account or what? Mm, I think maybe, yeah. You think the bank account, how much money you have, do you think that's yeah, important like, to keep private? I think maybe. What else about, like, when you go to the doctor, you think that's going to be important to keep private? No, I don't think that, but I think there might be some stuff that I haven't heard of. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for helping us and joining us. Okay. So here we are with Felice. Felice is a, a brilliant young woman and a businesswoman, worked for major companies, and is uh, also a CPA. She has uh, learned something new that she wants to tell us about that she thinks is very important. Go ahead, Felice. Well, what happened was that about two weeks ago, I had called in to Honda to see if if what my balance was to pay off, and they told me that I was late on my car payment, which I was very surprised knowing that I actually had sent it in on August 26th for a September 5th due date. By now it had been September 20th, so almost a month after I actually mailed the check at the post office. I didn't even leave it in my own mailbox. I thought I was being diligent going to the post office to mail it there, and they told me I was already two weeks late on my car payment. You know, I looked up online at my bank statement and saw that the check had not cleared. So here for a month somewhere, my check is somewhere, but not at Honda and not having cleared. And, you know, they told me how I was two weeks late. I needed to get, you know, my payment made that day because I already was late on my car payment. And here I normally had paid all my smaller bills, like my ComEds and all those online. But for some reason, we kept thinking that the bigger bills, the mortgages, the car payments, that we paid by check. You thought that was going to be safer. Right, I thought that would be safer. And I actually always drove to the post office, went out of my way, probably spent an extra 10 minutes going, you know, five minutes one way, five minutes the other way to deliver, to actually put it in the post office. Because you knew that it was not very good to put it in your own mailbox by your house because that could be stolen. Right. So I thought going to the post office, you know, what could be safer than that? And here all of a sudden my car payment, I'm two weeks late. And you don't know if some fraudster got the mail stolen, right? And, right. And, you know, changed the name instead of to Honda to, you know, Joe Schmo or something. Right. So I had to call my – so the time it took me, just I had to call my bank. I had to tell them that I wanted to stop payment. They wanted to charge me $30. Initially they did, but then I called back and – you know, once I found out that other banks do not do that, and that was my first time, they did reverse it. However, typically I would have had to spay, spend an extra $30 just to have the check, a stop payment on the check, you know, let alone the fact that you always pay the $0.39 cents for postage. Right. So I went out of my way and would have to pay all that extra cost by mailing with check. Right. So since that time, I have now set up everything to pay all my bills, either by credit card that I had learned that for... My phone bill, my Sprint bill, my 
for my cable bill, that all those I could put directly on my credit card. Right. And that that would be safe because I would always check my credit card before I paid it, so there was no way that... It wasn't, yeah, it was an automatic pay, but but you'd get to see the the bill first so that if there was anything fraudulent, you could just dispute it immediately and you wouldn't come directly out of your account, right? right. So that's really smart. Plus, you got miles for right. doing it, so that's a benefit. And then everything else, so I actually called, like, the mortgage company and even my college pay, our, you know, they were doing the college planning, all of that. I called all these companies to make sure how would I set it up correctly online, even insurance payments, so that everything would come directly out of my bank account, I would control it, right. and it would directly come from my bank account to pay all those other people who, anybody who would not accept a credit card. Right, and when you first had that problem with uh, the haunted and getting paid, you originally gave them your checking account number, correct? Right, that the only way in order for them to get, because I initially said, can I pay online? And when I looked up at how my bank works online, it says like a five-day delivery. Right. And they had told me I'm already two weeks late. Right. That they, you know, would not recommend me waiting another five days to be almost three weeks late. Right. So they but said I giving... actually had to give them my bank account number on their Honda website. Right. And a lot of people do that, Felice. That's really important that we're bringing this up. A lot of people don't realize that when their mortgage company asks them for their uh, routing number and their checking account number and their car payment asks them and all these other companies ask them, you're giving all that information out to companies who may not really be very careful with those numbers. And, and anyone can take your routing number and your checking account number and make up new checks at Office Depot or Office Max and then steal all the money out of your bank. So you were very smart to go and say, wait a minute, I want, you went and canceled that, right? Am I correct? correct? So I went online for Honda the next day and actually they didn't even want to truly let you cancel. I actually right. had to call customer service and said to them, how do I, ch- how do I write, you know, I was trying to put zeros and they wouldn't accept that, that they were just going to keep that information even oh. if I wasn't going to pay. So actually they online the customer service person actually had to put in all nines because huh. they wouldn't even let me delete and just, you know, just delete it. Right, because once they have that information, they love it right. because then they figure they've got you on the hook and they can just automatically deduct it and it, it's really easy for them. But the problem is, is then a lot of other people have access to that information. It's also sitting in a database that is probably not encrypted that could be stolen and then again subject you. So the smartest thing that you did was you went to your own bank and you set it up from your own bank. So how did you do that? How, how what was that a hassle? Because a lot of people still are not doing online banking. Why don't you talk about what you did to set that up? So now most of your bills are paid either through that or your credit card, right? Right. It's all paid either that way. And I say I'm even nervous to even use a check. Right. When it comes to places, I'm like, I'd rather make sure I have cash to be paying something than or using my check now after all that happened. Right. It, and actually, it is interesting because a lot of people since that time have told me a lot of them have things automatically debited out of their bank accounts. So I've been telling them based on information I learned, but a lot of people, it seems like more do that than send from their own, you know, checking account. You right. know, it did take a. Li- it did take some time initially to set things up because I wanted to make sure when I set everything up, I had to include, you know, the. So name. why don't you tell what you had to go through so that people who haven't done it can hear that it's really not that big of a deal, except, you know, it's a little time extra at first. But why don't you tell how you did that? So, for instance, you, what you have to include for any vendor that you would pay is you need to include the name, their address, 
their phone number and your account number. Right. So for some of them, it seems rather self-explanatory based on the bill they send you, what the address and what 1-800 number to use and what's your account number. Right. But some of them were trickier. You know, for instance, when I was paying for my college America, that when I sent in a check for each account number for each of my kids, there were two different investment accounts it went into. Right. So I actually I had a call then and say to them, I want to send this directly in, and I'll have two different amounts. I'll have one amount sent in for one son with an account number and one for another child with a different account number. However, in order for each of theirs to be split into different investments, they oh. actually on their end then had to write down whatever I send in split between the two different investment accounts that are set right. up for them. Right, right. So some were a little trickier that you couldn't just enter in. And, for instance, when I did my mortgage, I was nervous to make sure that I put in exactly what information they need because there's different phone numbers that are on the bill. So when I set it up for my mortgage, being especially nervous, I called and made sure, okay, if I'm doing this, is this the correct address to put it in? Right, so that the, the, so that the bank does get it. Now, you know that most of the banks, when you do online banking, they are so fast now that they do, like, uh, instead of doing, like, an actual check that they send, they actually do, do the payment electronically. So, you know, they also will set up their own little electronic transfers as well. So, like, it's, it, you can set it up for any day, which is another good thing. Right. Here you are, a businesswoman and a, and a very busy mother with all this soccer and, you know, other activities that you do. So, so now that you've set it up, how, how is that making it easier for you? You know, on one hand, there is a comfort knowing that... I'm not sending checks, that there isn't going to be issues, that if by some chance I do get some letter in the mail saying you have a late amount, you're late, that I know that I can go back to the bank. And without just saying to them, you know, I wrote it on this check number and on this date, and how can, you know, why would they, you know, why do they have to believe me? Right, right, and then they can charge you late fees, and a lot of them do that. Right, that it's a comfort to know that I have proof to show that, you know, the information, you know, the dollar amount was sent, it was sent on the state, cleared. You know, there's a comfort to that. Right, and your bank will back you up and say, hey, our records show that this came out of Felice's account on, you know, whatever date, and and if you didn't process it within five days, that's not her fault. That's not our customer's fault. Right. And on a going forward basis, one, the fact that I don't have to actually, like, write out the check. It definitely takes more time to write the check out. Right. Get my stamp. So I'm paying 39 cents. Right. And then, like I said, you know, I would physically go to the post office, which and was out of gas, my way. And Right. And there was an extra time five and money. minutes to get there. That would go out of my way, five minutes to get back on my path. Then instead to, like, And you have just, to carry it, and it might get lost when you're carrying right, a right, lot of I stuff. I try to make sure I put in a little bag, make sure I remember how many bills so that I right. keep track. Nothing just fell on the floor while I was driving on the way right. there. They Let alone just, the, the mail theft. There's right. so tremendous amount of mail theft that there is, so you don't have to worry about the mail theft right. either. And once it's set up, it is so easy. Just to t- type in $20, submit, I know my transaction number. I mean, it is done so much quicker than having to write out all the checks. Yes. They had, they're definitely, while the first month took some extra time setting them up and making sure that everything was set up exactly right, right that I know going forward is going to make it so much easier and just the peace of mind. And it, and it adds it. it for you, too. Oh, right. And it adds it all up for you, and you can print it off, and you've got it, and you've got your and, – and that's another thing we always tell people. Just in case there was any glitch, always print it before you, you know, get – you know, sign out. And the other thing that, that's really important that we should tell people is that you use a very um, – like a long password 
You should use right. numbers and letters because that gives you some safety as well so that you know it's protected. Somebody, you don't want to use your kid's name or a right. pet's Initially, name. Right. Initially, I had a sort of easier password my husband set up, and I told him no easy passwords. So I, actually, <laughs> I switched to all these letters and numbers and everything else so that it's not anything that's even easy for me to remember. I definitely need to look up yeah. what the password is. But, of course, but the I more the you do it, safety, yeah. That I know that yeah. nobody's going to be guessing this, you know, mixed up, you know, numbers and letters that I have in there. Exactly. So that there's their safety, and you'll learn it. I mean, you'll yeah. memorize it pretty soon, and that right. way you don't have to worry about somebody just sitting down at your computer and guessing your child's name or something else, right. uh, the street where you live or your social security number, which, by the way, you never want to use. So mm-hmm. so you feel a lot safer that yes, way. Yes, I do, and I know that it'll be saving me a lot of time, and it'll be a whole lot easier not having to go back and forth to the post office either. Right. So, Felice, tell me, you know, you have been in the financial industry for many years, and you work with you know, big companies. What, and also you're a mom and, you know, you have a husband who's also in, in business and finance. And, um, so what does privacy mean to you at a personal level for you, your family, your friends? Privacy would mean that information such as financial information, medical information, you know, information that we don't share with other people should remain, you know, private and should remain sensitive information that other people don't have access to. Right. And what does it mean to you, like, privacy with your family? Like, you know, what your neighbors know or, you know, just, just the, the old-time privacy, the right to be left alone. Left alone. What, what, what do you see changing in your lifetime? Well, in terms of neighbors and all that, you know, as much information as I want to share, you know, right. that I can share. However, you know, I definitely wouldn't expect neighbors to look in my mailbox and get information from a mailbox if right. things were sitting in the mailbox. And, you know, information that goes on my computer that even still when I have a babysitter over, I always still lock the door to where the computer is. Because one time my husband did say, you know, somehow the computer was looking a little funny in terms of, you know, some program that was there that he said, you know, I wonder if a babysitter went on and looked at their emails or something. Right, right. Or maybe they're they're surfing and they they end up getting some spyware onto your computer or a virus. right. Yeah, so, so that's, I do always like lock that door so that I know the door is locked. Right, and, and you know, I mean, to, it, I mean, at best they're on the computer and they're downloading things that that are okay, but still right. they but mess still up. Should be doing it on my computer, right? And, and, the, so and my, they mess up your software, and at worst they're downloading pornography or something like that. That could be really dangerous right. for everybody. So no, so you're smart. That kind of information. You know, my computer, you know, mail that's outside. All that I would expect from neighbors or from anyone is is my own private information. Right, right. Now, in in terms of finances for, uh, you work with a big company, and we're not going to say the name of the company, but, you know, um, and, and you do some remote work. From right. home. How, how is that information protected that you send back and forth in, in your company? You know, I, I w- I'm not the most versed in terms of exactly how the information stays private. I do know that in order for me to log in to the system of the company that I work for, I do have a certain password, and the password actually continuously changes every 10 seconds. So I have a certain... Oh, that's smart. Yeah, so I have a certain, you know, item that Time they period. Give me, right, and an item they give me that constantly the number is changing. So in order for me to even log in, and then if I'm even off the computer, say for... And I don't even know the amount of time. Maybe it's 10, 15 minutes. I again have to enter in this password... You know, the, or my actually my regular password. That's so that, you know, it does seem more secure. And definitely, in order to get into the system initially, right, you have to have this special password that's constantly changing. So they don't, you know, yeah. nobody can ever just know my password because it's 
always different. Yeah. And I think that's another interesting thing to talk about in the way in, in the workforce. So many people are having a, a new workforce where they're working from home mm-hmm. and they're remote you know, remotely working, really, and and conferencing and meeting. And what do you think is going to happen in the future? I mean, this is kind of like just brainstorming Uh with you, Felice. What do you think will be the future of of working in corporations and how it's going to be? I definitely see where even at the company I work for, there's more and more employees who are, you know, regular full-time employees who are starting to work from home, you know, one or two days a week. Ah. And I think that, you know, one, I think when companies have a certain faith and trust in an individual and, and, that, and that the individual has certain deadlines and, and work that he has to get done, the, once that trust is there for the person to do at home, personally, I get a whole lot more done when yes. I'm at home versus when I do go into the office. Right. So, I mean, because you're not sitting there talking with other people. Right. You're there's like, no, there's nobody walking by. You're completely focused. Yeah, your kids are in school. No, you know, the re- phone rings, you know, periodically from work, but not that often where I really have completely dedicated time that I can really just focus on work and get a lot done. Right. And from individuals, it seems like, you know, where one people don't always live so close to their work, to right. their office. So it says commute time. That the positive morale of it, where people can that day get up, send their kids to school, go in, and immediately they can start to work. Right. And or they can work, let's say right. they're night owls. Right. And they, and they work better at night. Right. So when their kids go to sleep, they can work then. Right. That it definitely seems, you know, well, I think that, um, you know, I work for a conservative company where it started slowly. Mm-hmm. That it definitely has picked up a lot more pace and surprised me in terms of, you know, one, that there's a number of part-time workers who work, you know, some from home remotely, some who come in. But even that, it really surprised me that a number of the full-time workers are now beginning to work maybe a day or two a week from home. Right. And and the problem, I mean, the idea is, is that it's probably working so well that, that now they're willing to try it more with the right. full-time workers. And as long as, you know, that person is very accessible. We're, one person I did not even realize she worked two days a week from home. And she works in my group. I work closely with her. And she did it so, you know, you know, she was always accessible that I never even realized the fact that she actually worked two days a week home, which I think is a big compliment to her. And they had, and to the company. Right. And that, that, that they're willing to do that because they think, yeah. they, you know, it, it really builds such morale and she's right. really excited about about yeah, she's working. very happy about it, and I did yeah. not even realize the difference. Yeah, and that she was accessible; I could always reach her. You know, she would reach me. There's emails there's between calls. emails and, right. and voicemails, and that she was just as effective, and probably she's even more effective and more efficient now. Yeah, with having that time from home, and like you said, in terms of the positive morale yes. and feeling so good about the fact that she is able to work from home those days, is a huge positive. For, you know, for the company to realize right. that you have this happy employee. Right. How much more you'll get out of that person. That's right. That's right. The loyalty. Like, why would they want to go somewhere else right. if they've got this great opportunity here? Right. Well, this is kind of interesting. In a conservative com- company in the Midwest that would be willing to do that, that really shows us that, you know, the companies all across the country will start to be doing this. And we're going to find, because we have this great technology that we can do, you know, the, the Bluetooth in the ear, you know, and talk on the phone and talk by email and even maybe even be at the beach, you know. <laughs> And do work. It's it's really an incredible time to be living in. How do you see the world now, Felice? And you know, and this is kind of a hard question, really. Is how do you see uh, technology really changing our world as we move forward? What do you think it's going to be like for your kids when when they're in their twenties? You know, for as technology keeps growing, I keep envisioning you know offices being smaller and smaller for companies to be saving money on all their office space. And I see more and more people working from home, and it'll be interesting to see how a company stays cohesive, 
you know, and that you have the, the messages sent and that people understand and are all linked in. But I really think more and more people are going to be working from home, you know, and that either people need to travel for their job and maybe, you know, but working out of their home is a home base and that you have a smaller office that's costing them less money, less capital to right. be investing in a large office and all the upkeep and the maintenance and everything else. I really think that that is going to be the way of the future. Right. And and also maybe, you know, now video conferencing by, by the Internet is not real clear, but probably since we are a global economy, we're going to be able to be sitting like you and I are now and talking to each other maybe on our computers, seeing right. each other and talking to each other with a really clear view or, or maybe you looking at a group of people and me looking at a group of people and actually having group meetings by the by computer. Yeah, and you know what? Primarily, if I'm not in the office, I do do a lot of conferencing for my meetings now already, you know, where I may not, I'm not able to see them. Right. However, I do sit there on the computer, I'm conferenced in, and we have right. people in different parts of the country all as part of the meeting. It's incredible. It's an yes. incredible world. Thank you so much, Felice. You're terrific. Thank you. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.